0: O oh God, you are my God. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh fades for you, as in a, as in a dirty and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift you up in my hands and call your, on your name. My soul is satisfied as with a rich feast, and my mouth praises you with joyful lips. When I think of you on my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for you, my soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. The word of the Lord. Our second scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. I invite you to actively listen or to read along in your pew Bible. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus asked them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they are worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will perish just as they did. Then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? And he replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it, and if it bears fruit next year, well and good. And if not, you can cut it down. The word of the Lord. Something that you may not know about me, I can't handle, this is more than just dislike, I can't handle watching movies with talking animals. Particularly the movies where an animal is the central character. And this isn't because I'm not an animal lover, because I think most of you know that I am. It is because it's the central character it has to go through some extreme external conflict. And usually, for an animal movie, that means death. And so, even if the movie is 98% happy and fun and adventurous, and even ends in a happy ending. It's that 3% of whatever the external conflict is in the movie that is absolutely just too much for me to handle. So movies like Babe or Charlotte's Web or Homeward Bound or Bambi and especially Marley and Me, off the table. (laughs) Absolutely off the table. I have to turn away. Now, I know I'm not alone, and while I joke about animal movies, many of us avoid seeing things. Perhaps it's because we have so much on our plate that we just have to find a way to cope with life. Perhaps we delay difficult conversations because we're just going to assume the worst or we don't want people to be upset with us and so we turn away we avoid it or perhaps we just want a quick and easy fix and we just want to get things done and it's really easier to entertain not all of the information or perhaps we tell ourselves You know, I'm pretty sure that this pain in my knee is getting a lot better. I don't need to go to the doctor. We tell ourselves until we believe it. Too often we might feel overwhelmed by all the truth. We are bombarded by horrific events in the news from shootings to political absurdities and we protect ourselves. We can't comprehend what all is happening. We are overwhelmed by war and violence and so we avert our eyes. We look the other way. We go back to living in our boxed, safe world. But averting our eyes can result in blindness to the reality that the world holds all around us. Ultimately, it can result in ignorance. As the saying goes, those who forget history are condemned to repeat it. Recently, the Washington Post reported some startling statistics about the Holocaust. Of the responses, one third of Americans believed that only two million Jewish people perished in the Holocaust, while the real number is well over six million. Only 37% of people were aware that Poland was one of the countries in which the Holocaust occurred. 41% of Americans did not even know what Auschwitz is. And most unbelievably, 11% of Americans said they didn't even know what the Holocaust was. They were unsure as to whether they had even heard about it. These numbers were all the more disappointing for millennials. But we're not alone. Statistics around the world reported reported similar figures. I use this as an example because if we don't know our history and we aren't paying attention, then we don't know the warning signs to keep this from happening again. And when the words never again is the universal phrase to commemorate the Holocaust, we should be aware of how it came to be. Because such a thing did not happen in a vacuum. It didn't happen overnight. It came slow and methodically. It came because a community othered. Because people were dehumanized. Because a particular group of people were blamed for an economic downturn. because propaganda and terror were used to enforce ideals. In the words of German pastor Martin Niemöller, in Germany they came first for the communists, and I didn't speak up, because I wasn't a communist. And then they came for the trade unionist, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a trade unionist. And then they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew. And then they came for me. And by that time, there was no one left to speak up. In Luke... 13, Jesus seems to be capitalizing on the memory of some recent horrors in the community to stress the unpredictability of life. The first is about a recent atrocity that would have been well known to the disciples how Pontius Pilate had murdered a group of Galilean pilgrims as they were making sacrifices in the temple. And the second shocking story, again, a tragedy from the local news known to the hearers. A tower that had fallen on innocent bystanders, killing 18 people. And Jesus asked, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent... You will all perish as they did. We are all well aware of those who view tragedies as deserved, those who link calamities with hidden sins that need avenging. After all, those latter-than-life self-professed preachers say this often enough and likely have convinced more people of this connection than we would like to admit maybe even sometimes convincing ourselves. And why? Why do we allow this connection to happen? Perhaps to make sense of the world and life. It's easy. But we know it's not true. Jesus calls the disciples to see the world with different eyes. To stop making up excuses and reasons of why bad things happen to us and others, so as to make the universe rational. Earlier in chapter 12, Jesus was reminding his followers that they know how to interpret the skies, if it's going to rain or if the earth is going to be scourged. And he challenges them with the question, then why do you choose to avert your eyes and not interpret the present time? You know what these signs mean. You know how to interpret the way and yet you choose not to. The opportunity to look the other way, the convenience to not engage in the truth, is privilege. And it is acting on that privilege that will cause you to perish. We are invited to repent. We often understand repentance as the activity of renewing one's actions and feeling contrition or regret for past wrongs. It is generally seen as involving a commitment to personal change and the resolve to live a more responsible human life. And during Lent, repentance is co opted into giving something up like chocolate or cursing. Repent means to turn. And in the context of our story, repent means to turn and see what is real. Repentance is a willingness to see what you don't want to see. To recognize the brokenness in order to see what Jesus is ushering in. As I've shared before, seeing is so much more than just vision. It's about recognition and listening and hearing and understanding. A willingness to see what is really going on and asking why. The theme of seeing is... is, so important in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus sees what others do not or what others are unwilling to see. Jesus sees Simon's mother-in-law and the leper and the paralytic and the tax collectors and the sinners. He saw the widows in Nain and her son. He saw and fed the 5,000 when the disciples wanted to send them away. Jesus turns to see. He turns toward in order to heal. He turns to offer compassion to others. He turns toward his fear. He turns toward his enemies. He turns toward his courage. He turns toward us to show us profound love and to usher in a new way. We are called to repent. We are called to turn from our complacency, to see the world for what it really is, to have courage to to see each other with honest eyes, to turn the discomfort, to turn to tears, to engage the knot in our stomach and even the lump in our throat. We are called to turn to recognize the brokenness in order to see... What Jesus is ushering in. Because if we don't, we may miss it. We will surely perish. And aren't we blessed with another day to turn? Aren't we blessed? To have another day to learn about the good news, to be granted with a little more time to realize what this is all about, this one precious life, to change our perspective, to see with eyes like Jesus. So, who will you see? What will you see? And what fruit might you bear because of it? Amen.